just understand that kids are gonna like ask questions that come out of the blue and you're not necessarily gonna know all the right answers. And this isn't about perfect parenting, but I would like to say where there's been a rupture, there's an opportunity for repair. We're just generations of people who are kind of doing the best that they can with the knowledge that they have. So if I can increase my knowledge, then I'm gonna help the future generation, the next generation. Welcome to Dad Splaining, a weekly chronicle of all the weirdest, messiest, grossest, and funniest parts of fatherhood hosted by two first-time dads. I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And this week, we are speaking with author Chris Tompkins. He is the author of the new book, Raising LGBTQ Allies. We are going to have a lot to talk about. But before we get into all of that, Brandon, if our listeners want to reach out to us with questions or comments, where can they find us? Please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Dad Splaining Podcast. You can reach out to us directly, dadsplainingpodcast at gmail.com, and you can check out this in any episode, anywhere you get your podcasts. Quick extra plug for Good Pods. Whatever platform you might listen to our episodes on, we appreciate it no matter where it is. But if you are interested in checking out a new platform, check out Good Pods. It functions very similar to any other uh, podcasting app, but it is a lot more focused on indie podcasts such as ourselves, independent podcasts, and trying to help those who are not as popular as some of the humongous streamers you might find on Spotify and Apple Podcasts get a little bit more notice. They've got some really cool features that they've rolled out. You can filter for podcasts that are strictly indie only so that you don't just get spammed with the super obvious big boys out there or big girls. But if you could try to give us a follow on Good Pods, if you're open to it, if you use the platform already, or just check it out, we really appreciate it. And we might get spotlighted or highlighted, I don't know which one's a better word, by Good Pods in the near future. They reached out to us and basically said, if we can get a few more followers, that they would love to highlight us on the Good Pods app. So please give us a like, a follow, a listen on Good Pods, and we really appreciate it. So now we're going to get on with our interview. Chris Tompkins has a lot to talk to us about, a very interesting story about how he came up with the idea of this book and the lessons that he has inside of it for parents. But I'm going to let Chris tell you himself. So without further ado, here is Chris Tompkins. Our guest today is Chris Tompkins. Chris is a teacher, TEDx speaker, spiritual life coach, and LGBTQ inner advocate based in Los Angeles, California. He is also the author of the book that we are going to be talking about today, Raising LGBTQ Allies. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing really great. Thank you for asking and thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to kick us off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I, I just gave a lot of descriptors <laughs> when I introduced yeah. you. It's a lot of different hats yeah. to wear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you do? Yeah, what do I do? A lot. Um, I'm from Arizona. I've been living in Los Angeles for about 13 years. And so I consider myself an LGBTQ inner advocate. And so people often ask what that means. And so my, my advocacy work is what brought me out here to Los Angeles. Um, but I really believe that we're all teachers. And so we teach through our demonstration. And so the work is really within. So a lot of my work to answer your question in kind of the short version is that I help others do the inner work so that we can be best out in the world. And so whether that's teaching, life coaching, speaking, writing, um, that's kind of what my my hope is. Gotcha. Okay. And one example of writing is going to be uh, this book here, um, yes. Raising LGBTQ Allies, which is specifically focused at parents, uh, which yes. Brandon and I are, are both parents. We're both first-time dads with three-year-old boys running around. And uh, this is one of the many things that we'll be teaching them as they grow up. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
So just kind of take us back a little bit. I mean, you know, you can tell us a little bit about the book for sure, but you know, what was maybe the part of your journey in life that kind of brought you to, to writing something like this? Yeah. Gosh, like my whole life, <laughs> um, pretty much. Um, you know, it's interesting because I've always heard that books, the author writes the book for themselves first, and then that's what, you know, you kind of share with the world. And so that was certainly the case for me. Um, and so pretty much it's, it's kind of my whole life really um, of my experience. So kind of the book, I guess the, th the, the three things that really came together is that my own personal experience of being gay, growing up in a religious family and kind of navigating the closet and bullying and, you know, all of the kind of things. And then, um, and then my coming out story, falling in love and, and coming to, you know, love myself. And so, and then also teaching, I've been teaching social emotional learning in Los Angeles County for the past six years, working with students of all ages and backgrounds. And so kind of my experience of what I saw in the classroom and then also bartending. I worked at a really popular, probably one of the most popular bars in Los Angeles, which also happens to be a gay bar. And so just really kind of, I always consider myself a fly in the wall and just what I observed just with human kind of behavior. And so those three elements combined is what really inspired the book, um, my own journey. And then also it came from, like I talk about in the book, really is my nephew um, asking a question that inspired a conversation. Right. Um, so that's really kind of how it all came together. And then what started the, the actual, the writing of the book. Gotcha. Well, well, tell us about that uh, that story with your nephew, because that was something that reading about before we started this interview that was really interesting to me. Um, you know, you're sitting around the dinner table um, with your family, your six year old nephew, David, that's also my my son's name. So I had a personal connection there. So and then he turns to you. And do you mind walking us through that story? Because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm from Arizona, like I mentioned. So interestingly enough, I, I share, I didn't actually write this in the book, but I was in Arizona because I was giving a workshop at the Equality, Arizona Equality and Justice Conference, which is an LGBTQ related conference. And so after that, that conference, I went to my mom's house and she had my family, some family friends over and I have a big family. And so a lot of cousins and nieces and nephews and we're sitting at the, the dining room table and all the kids are running around and you know how kids are. They just like run around and play and your sons are three. So, um, but my nephew at the time was six and like kids often do, they have the thought they'll run out, they'll ask the question, not necessarily like wanting you to sit down and give the answer, yeah. but they just have the thought, they ask the question and then they go off and play. Yeah. And so my nephew did that. He, I was sitting next to one of my friends, um, which who was female is female. And my nephew ran over and his version of whispering is talking out loud, like, like a lot of kids. And, uh -huh. and he was like, uncle Chris, is she your girlfriend? And then everyone, I just, I remember looking at round and seeing everyone kind of the reaction and it, like, it was kind of like they were laughing, but it was a little uncomfortable. And, and then I kind of laughed and I remember turning red because I was mm -hmm. like, wait, like, I just thought that he knew that I was gay. I mean, I just, mm -hmm. I just immediately thought that because I've been, I mean, I've been out to my family. And so I just kind of assumed that that was a conversation that my brother and sister were having with their kids. And mm -hmm. so then, so then that really is what prompted me to start asking around. And, and then what I found was, was really surprising um, is that a lot of the parents that I spoke to including my own family who love and support me, they were uncomfortable 
they were like, well, he's kind of young, you know, he's six. Like, mm -hmm. does he really need to know that? And then, and so that's really what prompted me to write a letter, which is, is what started the book was first a letter that I wrote my family and then it became an article. And, and so, because the thing of it is that I share in the book is that when I was six, that's when I knew that I was gay. Right. So the, for the parents that were saying, well, he's not old enough to understand. I was like, well, I mean, I did, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was six. And so, so yeah, so that, that's kind of what started the conversation. Gotcha. That, that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. And, and obviously that, that kind of experience, you know, even though it's, you know, uncle to nephew, there's, there's certainly like a familial uh, relationship, a strong relationship, very similar in, in nature. And, and the book kind of speaks about the family dynamic, the parenting dynamic, which is obviously very relevant to us as parents and, and to our listeners. Our kids are certainly a little bit younger than, mm -hmm. than that age group, but I'm just kind of curious, maybe get your thoughts uh, from a parenting perspective, you know, where we're not interested in thinking about pushing things on our kids, but, you know, is it really just for us to be more aware, to be more open-minded and perceptive about what our kids are interested in or just how they might be expressing themselves? Like what kinds yeah. of things do you think about from like a parenting perspective? Can we do even at a very young age to yeah. our kids to just kind of encourage them? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a really great question. And I appreciate you asking that because, you know, you mentioned pushing something on our kids and, and the thing of it is, is this is what I write about in the book is that, you know, when most people, when most of us, especially like our ages, you know, we're, I don't know your ages, but relatively speaking, like, you know, when we think of homophobia, transphobia, like we automatically kind of think of, you know, bullying, um, mm -hmm. name calling, um, religious stuff, like th those are kind right. of the automatic, you know, and what I write about in the book is that it's more than that. And children, especially young kids, you know, really from like a psychological a child development perspective, they really need to be mirrored. They really need to be validated. And so what we live in is we live in what's con like, not what's considered, but we do, we live in a heteronormative world where the dominant, mm -hmm. the dominant messages that we're all picking up, you know, in my book, I talk about messages from the playground and that's a metaphor for what I use to describe the subconscious beliefs that we all have. And, you know, I mentioned before that I taught social emotional learning for six years. And, you know, we talked a lot about the messages that kids got, you know, about school, about money, about family. And what was so interesting is that in my experience, you know, I come from a completely different generation, but a lot of the messages that the kids that I taught that they, we, we talked about, we wrote about, they wrote about in their journals were the same things that I heard. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, not pushing something on kids. It's, it's that's for sure not what it's about. It's about allowing kids to become who they are. And in order to do that, we have to facilitate, like create an open space, an open environment, because kids are so intuitive and they pick up on social cues. They pick up on external, like the outside world messages that they get from books, from toys, you know, and all, all of those things combined add to the heteronormative messages. And so if you add them up, the dominant messages look very much like this. And so for a child who is developing naturally, like I was, you know, I started to kind of notice things. And what I was noticing is that, okay, so maybe I'm different. Maybe what I am is not supposed to be. Hmm. And so I'm quiet. And so then what happens is I'm not being validated. And 
from a psychology perspective, invalidation is trauma for a young person. And then that I and then I go into more further details about like what trauma looks like and then what it creates, which I mentioned before is what I saw a lot at the bar. You know, I saw a lot of, you know, anesthetizing pain, hmm. you know, through substances. So that's kind of a big um response, but I think that it's it's not about pushing anything on, it's about creating a space for children to become. Right. And and we have a responsibility as as parents, as me as an uncle, I I play a part in that too, for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and it it's cool for for us and I mean our our listeners are all over the world, different stages of life, different stages of parenting life, but a lot of them are kind of in the strata where they're maybe in their 30s, you know, they're maybe each generation, you know, learning from the narrative and, you know, the, the kind of ways that their parents raised them and things that they said and didn't say and figuring out what to keep and what to improve on and change. A lot of our listeners maybe never got a conversation from their sure. parents on sexuality um, or, you know, orientation and, and gender identity and expression. And maybe oh, they right. just left it to them to learn on their own from their community or from the internet. You know what I mean? So a lot of them don't have a template on how to have, not just how to have the conversation, but like how to approach the whole, that whole section of someone's life. So in, in this book, I'm, I'm curious, kind of what advice might you offer to a young parent who knows that like now is the time that I'm going to have to start figuring out what I'm going to do to get this right with my kid, uh, yeah. what would you tell them to do? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. It's a really great point. And parenting is no easy feat. And I mean, I get, I give you props, you know, it is, it is, I think the biggest job, the biggest responsibility um, that a person can take on because you're kind of learning as you're going. And, and I, so I honor that and I respect that. And I also, in my experience, I was a kid. And so I had parents and so I'm trying to kind of like, hopefully help that that's really what one of my goals is my hope with my book. And I, I think I do do this is I center children's experiences. Hmm. So I kind of get down, you know, when I was writing this book, I really kind of like, what was, what was it? What is it like? Like I was a kid, <laughs> I know what it was like, and I'm not, I'm not a parent and I've also worked with kids. And so I've heard the things that kids talk about, you know, what it's like being at home and what it's like having parents. And, and so, you know, you ask really great questions because I really do believe that regardless of gender sexuality is that I think a lot of parents, they want to do a good job. And a lot of them want to, maybe if they come from dysfunctional homes, they want to do it better than, you know, their kids or their parents, you know, did with them. And you know, like to your point, not a lot of us got conversations, you know, I'm gay, my brother's not, he didn't get conversations about what it was like, you know, about sexuality either. Um, so he kind of was learning as he, you know, went. And so I think, and my hope is that for, you know, you mentioned younger parents or, you know, 30s, is that we teach through our demonstration as, as parents. And, and, and I really do believe this is that if we want to change what it's like for the next generation, then we have to have a certain level of humility to understand like what our blind spots are and to be willing to learn. And so books are a great resource. And so sexuality, gay, straight, like it, it is comes with a lot of baggage for I think everyone. And so what I also talk about in the book is that when we think of sex and sexuality, we're putting our adult constructs mm -hmm. of what that is onto kids. And so there's a lot of maybe some apprehension about like, well, I don't want to, you know, 
and I, I invite people to consider that it, th this is like a child's, this is not our adult construct of sex and sexuality. This is like understanding that, oh, sex and sexuality is natural part of a development. And so how can I, if I didn't get those conversations and one of the, one of the chapters I talk about is benign neglect, which is not communicating is still communicating. Hmm. And so if we're not communicating something, children are intuiting the, the silence, the not having the conversation. And so I think that the best way is that for parents is like my brother, as an example, you know, like if he has blind spots, which we all do, like, how can I learn so that I don't perpetuate the same things that my family, unfortunately, you know, cause we're just generations of people who are kind of doing the best that they can with the knowledge that they have. So if I can increase my knowledge a little more, then I'm going to help the future generation, the next generation. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I, one thing that kind of stuck out to me that you said, you said this and it might've been earlier in the, in the interview talking about kind of getting to the child's level, yes. which I like because I wonder if some of the apprehension that some, not all, uh, but that some parents have is equating, like you said, their sort of adult understanding of sex and sexuality with what right. a kid is and right. maybe thinking, oh, well, my kid's too young for the sex talk. Surely oh. they're going to be too young for, you know, other talks about sexuality. But, you know, if you stop and think about it, you're already explaining to a six-year-old, you know, what a crush is, um, totally. you know, what your parents are, what their relationship is, you know, in, in a marriage. So, you know, you don't have to go into this thinking, okay, I'm giving them the birds and the bees right now. It's simpler than that. And, and, yeah. and I, I like kind of that you're talking about having that sort of conversation on that kid's level, understanding where that kid's coming from, yeah. uh, from a young age. And I, I think that's going to open up the ability uh, for parents to approach it and actually have the conversation instead of, like you said, sort of the benign silence. Right. Yeah, no, I, and, and that's so true. Cause if I could just give an example is that my, so my nephew, David, that I talk about when he was young, like, I think maybe like two, mm -hmm. one of my cousins, whenever she would come over to the house, she's female, well, she's, fe she's female and she would come over to the house and he would get quiet and she would go up and talk to him and he would like kind of shy away. And, and, and it was so easy for everyone in my family to say, oh my gosh, David has a crush on Kiara. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was so easy for them to kind of say, oh, she, you know, he has a crush on her. That's why he's, you know, quiet. Da, da, da. So then when my family was resistant to the, to talking to or considering yeah. that a child could be gay or, you know, have a sexuality, a sexual orientation. I was like, well, it was perfectly okay for him to have a crush at two. Right. And, you know, and then also further is that I watched a movie recently um, and there was a scene, you know, and then you see, this is an example of heteronormativity. It's, it's like subtle. And there was a scene where like a little boy had lost his parents. And so he was standing at like a gravesite. And I think maybe he was like, six years old or something and a little girl who was maybe three or four like this scene you know it, it showed her you know take a flower the movie's braveheart and so i don't know if you've seen it it's kind of old, old older mm -hmm. movie but i like rewatched it and that movie could be problematic in, in some ways um that's a whole separate conversation about you know their view on like the, how the movie kind of portrayed, you know, being gay mm. uh, with with the son. I don't know if you've seen the movie. But, it's been um, a long time. It's been a long time. So the, the scene that I'm referring to, though, was like kind of pivotal to the story because it kind of sets up the love story of the of the character of him pursuing the vengeance of, hmm. of his wife getting murdered. And that little girl was his future wife. 
And so that, that, that scene kind of set up the whole story. But my point is, is that he was probably six and she was probably three or four. And that was like a big scene in the movie. And it really, like I said, set up the entire, that was at the beginning of the movie. And so my point is, is that everyone saw that and it's just kind of, oh, it's a love story. It's so cute. It's mm -hmm. wonderful. And so my point of bringing it up is that it kind of speaks to, I like what you said, some, not all right. parents maybe have a little bit of discomfort around if that same scene or that same scenario was with two boys mm -hmm. or two girls. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think bringing it around to, you know, what people should be thinking um, in these kind of situations, you know, what you kind of mentioned is that parenting is hard. Parents don't want to yeah. feel like they're doing it wrong. They're doing a oh. bad job. And it's not about that. And it's not about you have to know what to do. You have to know what to say. Maybe it, right. it sounds fair. Something you kind of talked about I like is just, it's a broad goal to just increase your knowledge, increase your awareness. That's the goal. The goal right. isn't to be perfect as parents because no. we're never going to be. The goal no. isn't to, to know what to say even. Um, right. It's maybe just to not do some of the small things that add up, uh, right. like neglect, invalidating, you know, if a boy picks up a doll, your goal isn't to be like, well, what about the monster truck? Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's just like, cool, let's play with that doll. What can the yeah. doll do? You know, mm -hmm. my yeah. son likes to refer to himself as a rainbow princess kitty cat. And I'm like, mm. that sounds amazing. Yeah. Me too. Let's yeah. play with, let's do that. Right. Right. And there's nothing magical or perfect about that option that I've chosen to engage with. I, I think it's just kind of like we're just normalizing, like being a part of the experience mm -hmm. right? as yeah. a parent. It doesn't have to be yeah. daunting to be a perfect parent. Um, it no. can just be about being present. Right. No, 100 percent. I love that you said being present because that's really that's what it's about. And I think that in my observation, like you're right. I mean, being a parent is <laughs> I, I have two siblings that have kids and I totally like honor the experience of what it means to be a parent and you know there's such thing i'm sure maybe you've heard is good enough parenting you know it's like it, you know you all you need to be is a good enough parent and i think it's really also like i mentioned humility to understand that like i don't have all the answers and that's okay and so if my child asks me a question and i don't know like you know that's really great to be able to say that and i also think that being able to just understand that kids are going to like ask questions that come out of the blue and you're not necessarily going to know all the right answers. And this is for sure not going to, this isn't about perfect parenting, but I would like to say if I could offer anything, it's that where there's been a rupture, there's an opportunity for repair. And it's in the repair that parents can really like th that, like that's where the growth is, you know? And so we're going to get it wrong. I'm going to get it wrong as an uncle. Like I can't tell you how many conversations and I, I write about them in the book. I, I literally write about like conversations that I've had with my nieces and nephews where I've gotten it wrong and it's in the repair and it requires humility to offer the repair that I'm able to have like an even deeper conversation, which helps me have a deeper relationship with my niece or nephew. Oh yeah. I, so this isn't about getting it right. This is about fumbling through and also learning and, and being willing to like be humble enough to say, oh my gosh, I totally like that was awful. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, that's 100% true. And it's true in all areas of parenting, like Brandon and I both discovered that you can get it wrong, you know, you can uh, go too far to one side or the other in terms of, you know, strictness, or what foods you'll, you know, or, or anything. And it's like the moments where you have the humility to kind of 
admit that you got it wrong and even admit to your kid that you got it wrong. Uh, that's oh, something that, you know, we're learning as a generation that it's okay and good to do yeah. is to not present yourself as a perfect, you know, omniscient authority uh, to your kids, but to admit that you got something wrong and setting an example that way. Like I've figured out more about who I am as a parent and where I want to go from those mistakes and learning from your mistakes and right. being honest about it. So yeah, I, I think that totally resonates. Um, so uh, one of the last questions I have for you, Chris, is sure. looking back on your life, your upbringing, sort of discovering and figuring out your sexuality at the age of six and, you know, and, and then from there onward, if I may, I'd like to know as a kid at that age, what, and this is something that we can learn from, what would you have liked to experience in your life with your family, with your parents that you did not experience? Or what was something that uh, maybe was detrimental to you that we can learn from? Yeah. Uh, if that's okay for me to ask. Yeah, no, 100%. I love that. I love that question. And when you write a book, they talk about like, well, how can you summarize the book? Like an elevator, like if you got an elevator, you know, and if I could, and I, I said this in the beginning, like if I could say anything of what this book is, it's talk to your kids have conversations. And one of the things that I wish that I would have had as a young person was for there to be conversations because the silence speaks volumes. And that's what I learned is I picked up because I was a very intuitive, very hypervigilant child and I observed everything. And so I picked up all the things that weren't happening, which was conversations. And so if I could say anything, it's talk to your kids. And this isn't a one-time conversation and it's not a one size fits all. And so as long as the conversation is happening and it's ongoing, that's what I meant earlier at the top of the conversation is that we teach, you know, as parents, as, as an uncle, I'm a teacher. And so I'm teaching through my demonstration and kids are learning like, oh, wow, like my uncle models what it's like to get it wrong and then to, to own up for that. And then that's going to teach them like how to do that. It, it'll be easier for them to do that in the future kind of thing. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. The goal here, you know, in speaking with you and the lessons from you personally and your experience, but also just back to parenting in general for, for ourselves and for our listeners is just to try, just yes. to be engaged. Yes. Uh, and I really like the takeaway here is just talking with your kids. That's all yeah. we're, that's all we're talking about yeah. is yeah. just sitting here thinking like our kids come to us with a lot of things and it's really difficult and it's okay to be just doing it on the fly. Right. doing the best we can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. If I could just lastly, like, I love what, like what you just said. And I share in the book, I share something that I heard that really speaks to kind of what you just said. It kind of underscores it is that I was listening to a, a, a podcast and it was about a dad talking about his daughter who she's a lesbian. And he was saying how he realized like later on in life, now that she's an adult, like it wasn't her responsibility to teach him who she was. It was mm. his responsibility to learn who she was. Mm. So that takes humility to kind of like drop, like let go of what I think my kid is supposed to be or what I want them to be and just learn who they are. That's amazing. Yeah, we just had a guest who said something very similar. It's like there's we can learn as much from our kids as they can learn from us or even more uh, because there's they're on their own plane and they've got they've got stuff to share. Yes. And uh, we have to be willing and humble enough to uh, to listen to that. So thank yes. you for saying that. Chris, last question for you. Where can our listeners find this book of yours? And where can we follow along with you to see what you're up to? Yeah, thank you. Um, wherever books are sold, you can find the book. Um, and then as far as like social media, A Road Trip to Love 
is my website, all one word. And then like handle wise, like social media wise, same thing, a road trip to love, a road trip to love. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, folks, we're going to link uh, all of those in the show notes and description of this podcast episode. Chris, I just want to close out by saying thank you for having this conversation with us. It's something that uh, a lot of parents are coming into um, without a roadmap or a template. So they're looking for people to give them some advice. And you've done a great job of that today. And uh, I look forward to uh, learning more and, and hearing from our listeners of of how they were impacted and how they were able to implement it. So yes. Chris Tompkins, once again, thank you so much for coming. Uh, the book, you, folks, Brian. is Raising LGBTQ Allies in stores and everywhere you find books now. Chris, thanks for yes. joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. So once again, thanks to Chris Tompkins for joining us. Uh, his book is Raising LGBTQ Allies, and you can find links to the book and to Chris in the show notes of this episode. Brandon, I don't know about you, but that was a really interesting conversation. Um, it was one that I think, like I said in the interview, that I, I think a lot of listeners, maybe it's not that they got negative messages growing up, but maybe they just didn't get a message at all because their parents right. didn't know how to have the conversation. And so... You know, they don't know where to start. And um, I think he provides a, a really, a really good, like a starting place. And it's like you said, it's like, it's not that you have to have the perfect terminology and know the exact psychology and impact of everything you say and do. Like there's enough pressure on us as parents in every aspect of parenting. But just, I, I think it's like a different mindset thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And as we could honestly in just about every episode, the goals are really simple here. Just try. We're just trying to do our best. Mm -hmm. uh, you get a lot of advice from the show. Hopefully you understand you hear a lot of failure on the show because we yeah. don't know what we're doing. Uh, I thought one of the best things that uh, Chris said, said a lot of good things, was that he himself, who we might refer to as the expert in this conversation of the three of us today, yeah. messes up a lot. He mm -hmm. tries to explain it from his perspective, and he being the subject matter expert doesn't always get it right either. So yeah. there's no amount of material or books read that'll make you perfect. Your just goal here is the same as always, just being engaged with our kids yeah. and just trying to be aware, being open. And uh, the thing that just kind of keeps coming up to me is like the uh, improvisation rule number one, where your just goal is to say yes and. Yes and. Uh, exactly. You're just trying to plug into it. Your goal here isn't to uh, to cut things off, just to open up conversation. Beautiful. So yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. And we will be back uh, again next week, most likely, as long as our schedules allow, with another awesome conversation. Uh, but between now and then, Brandon, if our listeners want to reach out to us with questions or comments, uh, where can they find us? Please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Dad's Planning Podcasts. You can reach out to us directly, as Chris did, to talk about being on the show at dadsplanningpodcast at gmail.com. And you can check out this and every episode anywhere you get your podcasts. Exactly. Be sure to follow us on Facebook so you can watch most of our recording sessions live and join our Facebook parenting group. Just search Dad's Planning, a parenting group. Great place to meet other parents in a similar phase of life. Ask for advice, brag on your kids, complain about your kids, and uh, share stupid parenting memes. We're here for all of it, and we would love to have you. Until next time, I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And uh, hey, Brandon, what do you get when you boil a funny bone? Oh, I don't know. Uh, a hot wing. Nope. A laughing stock. Hey, that's perfect. <laughs> all right, I got that one off Reddit. I can't take, I can't take credit for any of the good ones. <laughs> If it's All a dad right. joke, it's been invented by now. Exactly. All right, we'll see y'all next time.
The advice and opinions expressed on Dadsplaining are solely those of its hosts and guests and should not be substituted for the advice of professionals. If you have a serious concern about the health or development of your child, please consult with your pediatrician. If you're experiencing an emergency, please call 911. Don't listen to us. We're really just good for dad jokes. If you're enjoying Dadsplaining, you might enjoy this other podcast from our friends here at WSB Radio. Hello, friends. This is Jared Yamamoto from the Power Pod, and we are a weekly recap show where we cover the current events of the week. And of course, during these times, COVID-19 is on everybody's mind. We will cover the good, the bad, and the ugly regarding this crisis. We will be serious with the coronavirus, but we will also find ways to have fun with it as well. So be sure to check us out Saturdays from 11 to noon and Sunday mornings from 9 to 11 on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU or grab the PowerPod podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers or your favorite smart speaker.